This is Season 6, Episode 1, Birthing a New Tomorrow with Chloe Holloway. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, so good to be here. Yeah, as I was just saying to you, I'm so excited to see to see where we go and I think um, when I read your work and read a, a bit about your experiences and the perspectives that you bring to this work, um, there's just a resonance in my heart and a, and, a, and a deep reverence for the way that you approach it. So I guess I, I wanted to start in the same place I often do, which is what's a vision you have for the world and how are you currently exploring it or expressing it? Mm, so I think I, I think a vision I have for the world and, and a vision I have for myself as well is um, how can we really, um, just what you said before, how can we really hold each other in reverence and how can we see and hear each other clearly and um, so then a lot of my work has just been to actually just be silent and listen. Um, for me, that's really important. Listen to the multitude of, multitudes of experiences people are having in this time and just hold and hold and hold. Um, that's been really important for me. Mm. I think about the ripples of that outward, you know, like... Mm valuing that skill set more than we value talking and I think that the world would look really different if people were witnessed and presenced you know in in that multitude of experience do you think that gift of listening is something that you've always had or has that been developed over time and experience do you think um, I think I have always, like, just in my life, tended to be more of a listener, but I've definitely kind of honed in on that skill in within the work I do. Um, I find it I find it really important to be able to witness all of somebody, and I can't do that if I'm speaking. I can only do that if I'm just, you know, in silence with that person. Mm. Mm. The same applies to life, doesn't it? It's like. I can't hear life when I'm talking. <laughs> I can't. I just can't hear it. It's 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 too. It's yeah. It's just it. It doesn't exist when I'm when everything else is so loud. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your work now, and and you know, I know you're a doula, but you bring a certain perspective to it, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey here to be weaving and in relationship with life in the way that you are now? Um, yeah, so I started I started off my doula journey. I did my training in the UK, and then I came back and I worked in um, Cape Town in South Africa. Um, and now I've found myself here in New Zealand. Um, and I think it's been really interesting watching my practice evolve when I was... Um, when I started working in Cape Town, I was really like... I was in hospitals all the time, and it was very like... Um, I didn't feel as much connection with my clients. And I think it was because I was working in a very like mind sense of what this work should be. Um, and I think over time I've progressed and now I can work with a more felt experience of what this work should be and what it means for me. Um, so that's been, that's been a, a really wonderful shift in, in the way I work. Mm. 
Yeah, it's huge. I think that shift, I know it's in reference to work that you said, but I think that shift from the mind states to the felt states is like that's that's what regeneration is to me, that journey. It's a healing journey, you know, back to the healing states. I love it so much. So how how did your earlier experiences in life inform this work or like how did you find your way into doula work was it something you always wanted to do was it something you were interested in um how did it find you um so I worked in um fashion before I became a doula um (laughs) I worked at fashion weeks I did fashion PR um and um, which is an interesting choice, but I've I've found I've always found beauty really like I've always been really drawn to beautiful things, um, and so I worked in fashion. But for a long time, I felt like there was definitely something more that needed to evolve. Um, I was adopted um, when I was young, and um, and for me, I think my fascination with birth was that so much of my, you know, the first days of my life are so unknown. Um, And I always wonder what it would have been like for my birth mother had she had more support. And um, so for me, it's really important with the mothers I work with and the families I work with that they always feel supported, Um, even in even in the experiences that are really difficult. How can I how can I hold them in this in this transformational time? Mm. I love that piece you said about beauty and I think that I don't know in this in this work or in seeing the world from a multitude of experiences as you said it's so easy to judge or minimize aesthetic and say that it's bad and wrong I think that aesthetic Mm. in a capitalist sense can be um, toxic but I don't think beauty in and of itself is like it's what we seek inherently in nature, isn't it? It's what we move towards. Yeah. It's a very innate thing to want to grasp it and know it and hold it and um, feel it. And I think that, yeah, it makes it just makes sense in my body when you say I was in fashion and then I went into <laughs> I'm glad it makes sense to you, but it hasn't always made sense to me. And I hold quite a lot of judgment about that period of my life. But it, yeah. It does. It does make sense. It's all beautiful. Belongs <laughs> right. Um, I think that what I love about reading your um, website and even your Instagram page is uh, that you refer to yourself as daughter and doula, and I think mm. that, that is so poetic. I know that you're into poetry as well, but <laughs> a little bit about why the identification with this word daughter and what that means to you? Um, I guess what I think what it means for me is that I think I, when I, when I chose to have that slogan, I think it's on my Instagram profile when I chose to have a daughter, a doula. um, I think for me, what's been really important in just my journey of healing is really acknowledging that part of that little part of me, that five-year-old part of me. And when I put her next to a part of me that can also be in service, I feel like the the full experience of me is then merged. 
It's so sorry. I just had this moment that it was so profound. Just thinking about the the, the five year old and the one in service being side mm-hmm. by side. Oh my gosh! If we could all walk around hand in hand with our five year olds, I think mm-hmm. there would just be a lot more safety and and everything good in the world. You know, I think that's so beautiful. It also mm-hmm. to me speaks to. Um, I don't know, there's this call back in time and forward, which I think Mm. birth workers are part of. Like you always got one foot kind of in ancestry and all the birthing folks have come before and then one foot in the future generations, you know, with these beings that you're stewarding into the world. And I think that there's something really profound about having a foot planted in each, you know, like we're accountable to future generations but we're also accountable to our ancestors in some way. And I think that I hold both of those with a lot of reverence. You know, I'm kind of irrelevant in that, in that scheme. Yeah. That's, mm. that's where um, my energy is, I think, sometimes. Do you identify with that too? Yes, I, I, I do. I think when I, when I do this work, I reach back into my ancestry and I can I can you kind of, it's like bringing a string. It feels like bringing a string back into my ancestry. And then when I look forward at this new woman in front of me, this new mother in front of me, this new human in front of me, I can I can see into the future. And that always makes me really excited. Mm, it's so big. And as we're talking, I can feel just that portal that opens in, in birth and also in death. So... I want to hear a little bit about like what the birthing experience represents for you, um, having witnessed so many folks through that transitional time. What what do you think is possible when that is held and supported and when folks are really listened to and heard in that experience? I think there's there, there are so many possibilities. I think what I always take my clients through is a process of dying dying to things has really been a big part of my life journey um and you have to die to so much when you become a new parent but you're also being born into so much when you become a new parent um this is really important it's really important to like grieve those things that will change um and then at the same time hold in awe those things that will be different um I can't remember what the second part of your question was. I don't either because I was just with that that response. But I guess I guess it's kind of like that. What um, I, I I know that you hold both bereavement and birth together, and I think that that process of dying and and living is so. I was just I, I was actually just feeling in my body what would have been different for me if when I had my first baby that uh, threshold was really tended to, you know, that I mm. over and I had quite a bit of, big experience with postpartum anxiety and I mm. think so much of it was that expectation that it, you should be happy and you shouldn't grieve what's been lost or you shouldn't grieve the, the maiden that's now transitioning and I think that... Um, life is never one thing like no experience is ever going to be one dimensional and we're going to have one experience of birth and it's all positive and one experience of parenthood 
it's just so complex and there's so much to digest that it's almost as if you're playing that role of breaking it down into these smaller parts that can be metabolised and seen and held one at a time. Like it's so important, I think. Yeah, yeah, so important. So, so important. (laughs) And so what have you witnessed... um, in those folks that do go through that process of dying and then being birthed into something and then birthing their babies in whatever form and way is right for them or whatever journey unfolds for them, should I say, what do you see in those individuals that captivates you, that makes you want to keep going back and learning more and honing your skills in trade and, you know, understanding more of life? Like what is it about about this moment that captivates you? I think for me, the, the, the point of a birth that always captivates me is that transition phase. Mm. Um, that, that phase where you really believe you cannot do this thing, but this thing is so imminent. <laughs> and, um, and to see that, like, that almost surrender into that, complete unknown and then the emergence of a new life a new parent um it is just so magical to witness and just the change in somebody's expression from before transition to when they come through it I always find that moment so beautiful and I'm always in tears and I remember saying when I started this work four years ago when I stopped crying at a birth I know it's not I I have to stop doing this work I'm so in awe of that power of transformation how could you not be moved by it? You know, like I, just, I can't imagine just that moment that you speak of. I get chills all up and down my body. It's I was I experienced a miscarriage earlier this year, and I heard someone refer to it recently in a beautiful way. They were speaking about the time afterwards and how mm. her feet were moving forward, like she was, you know, tending to her other children and going mm. to work and like but she couldn't utterly understand how her spirit was still moving and animating her when she was so deeply heartbroken. And I really Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think that she referred to it as, you know, I think on one hand I could judge that and be like, mm. well, you know, you shouldn't be moving. You should. But, but on the other hand there is this part of, I think, the human spirit that, does want to move forward and and keep walking even when you utterly can't think that you can anymore you know when you mm. absolutely are on your knees I know that moment in birth so strongly you know these are the moments when I'm screaming like I can't do it and get it out of me and in all of them, I'm gonna die. you know that's a very common in my births is like I'm gonna mm. die and that moment of like but something's moving me forward in the case the baby or the body or the spirit or my ancestors or whoever it might be but that feeling of being animated I think there's also a tremendous relief in it in a in a world where we're kind of taught to hold it all on our on our own and that and that we are um responsible for animating ourselves or not like to to fall back into this thing is happening to me and through me and with me and as part of life 
no, I don't know, in my heart there's a relief in that, as, as scary as it is, but maybe I'm a bit abnormal like that. <laughs> I relate. I relate to that. I really relate to that. I think, yeah, there is a relief in that. There is a relief in that. That landed so beautifully with me, just how you, how you worded that. Mm. Mm. I want to talk more about dying because mm. I think that this reverence for birth that we have and how wrapped up I think it is in, I don't know, um, this ideal that we have and and when we don't get it, it, it can feel hard. And I think there's just a lot of, I don't know, stuff wound up in it. But I tell me more about why dying is part of it and why it's so important culturally we learn to be with that just as much as as the babies that do come home and the babies that do get to stay. Um, I think for me, I think in the past, death might have been something I would shy away from. When I started my doula journey, I had a very lofty idea of what the births I would attend would look like. And um, I came back to Cape Town and the births were just not that. My first birth I attended was a two-day stillbirth and... um, I think the next three births I attended were miscarriages. And um, and so I soon realized that that kind of, um, those kind of lofty ideas I had about birth, I needed to be really humbled and um, be brought back to, to the fullness of the life-death experience. And... Um, and so that's why when I think about death and loss, I'm like, this is equally as important as when when a baby is alive. Um, it's, it's a really humbling experience to witness. And I think it's something that we don't acknowledge enough in society. Like mm-hmm. when a mother loses a baby at like a week, she is still a mother. If she loses that baby at three months, she's still a mother. If she loses that baby when the baby is being born, she's still a mother. Um, How can we really acknowledge and see those women in that experience and not just brush it over? It's such a, yeah, it's such a time to go through. And I would say that she's still a mother uh, because, and, and she has to work harder at it because she just holds it in her heart, you know, and, and it's not validated and acknowledged or seen. Mm. And that's so um, I, I love that you hold both and I love that you're willing to, to be open to what the fullness of expression that that journey can take us toward. I imagine it's also as a worker in that humbling to realise how little control you have over those outcomes and despite you know the best intentions life doesn't work that way (laughs) you don't get to control it or neither does even the birthing woman or folk yeah and I think I make it so I think when I started going to births that ended up not being a live baby I was like this is my fault And that's such a ridiculous thing to think, but I really made it really personal. And um, it's not my fault. Um, It's not anybody's fault. It just is. And that's been a beautiful learning. This is just this. And it is devastating, but it's just this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think to be held by someone with a capacity 
as you have for to not turn away um is all you really want in those moments I think is someone to be like I'm I'm here and I have no words and it just is but I'm still here and you know I think that um as a skill set we have a long way to go to learn how to be in those experiences with ourselves and with other people but I think I have such hope when I hear people like yourself walking into the fire of that and learning a set of skills to that's that's teachable and that can be imparted, you know, as we all build that skill. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope we can have a generation of birth workers that can really hold that full experience. Mm. I'm curious because before I started doing this work, um, I worked in aid work, but I worked in maternal and child health. So I've seen some pretty, uh, terrible maternity care. I've seen some pretty exceptional maternity care. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you've seen a lot of different experiences, I imagine. Um, how do you think we can move toward better care um, within the systems we have, as well as building an economy for different um, care settings outside those big systems and what have you witnessed that's kind of informed that that idea I think for me what I've seen is I think and and this this holds true for so many aspects of of life I think when there feels like there's a power imbalance um it becomes really difficult to navigate a space so I see um, say for in in South Africa, for example, a refugee woman comes into hospital. So, you know, her status in the country is kind of unknown. And now she comes into the birthing room and this is supposed to be a really transformational experience. And a midwife or a doctor walks in and they're like, you will have a cesarean now. Mm-hmm. And I see that just, I can see in her face that this is not what she wants, but then it's an immediate, okay, yes, I will do this because you are in some position of power. I don't know. This is a really interesting question. I don't know how we can even out that playing field, but I think it's something to do with just seeing everyone as a person, not putting them on a pedestal, um, of being higher or lower than you. I think as an individual, you have innate wisdom in your body. Um, and, and I think that should inform a lot of our choice. But when we live in a society where we're not heard, it's hard to trust that wisdom, I think. Mm. You have this incredible capacity to distill very complex things and say them very simply and eloquently and quickly and I just think it's so beautiful it's like you pierce the veil and get right to the middle of the thing I really it really speaks to me so thank you I think distilling it into that single factor it's so true and I think that holds true in in everything like not just in maternity care or antenatal care it's like that fundamental problem where we took humans out of life and we put it <laughs> top of a pyramid and then we substrated that pyramid into different hierarchies 
therein lies the problem, right? Inherently with everything wrong with our society, it's that those decisions and that would benefit the few over everyone. And I think that that journey to find one's voice when society is built to put people above and below and we start to develop the lens, I think that um, the antidote to that is people being brave enough to listen to diversity of experience without it without needing to talk comes back to that comes back to that first thing that you've said you said mm. what we can do about it but I think that's the work isn't it all of us the internal work we need to be doing to think about a society that's more life-giving for everyone and that is not built on the backs of certain bodies over other bodies it's it's that internal repair and healing we need to do within ourselves all those five-year-old parts of us that have been shamed or belittled or made feel small or made to feel inadequate or different or other I think um yeah I hold great hope if we can do that if we can encourage care workers to see that person as you say in front of us as a human being um with their own experiences and own wisdom too yeah yeah that's what we all are we're just humans doing this life dance and that's it Mm -hmm. well we've solved we've solved all the problems today here so (laughs) we're done (laughs) I know you use um different birth traditions in your work but what are some of the Indigenous birth traditions that you use when you're supporting birthing folks. Um, I'd just like to hear some of the different ways that you work with them depending on their bodies and their needs and their desires, I imagine, and capacities. So for me, it's always been really important to, um, when I when I come to a client, to really understand what their culture is and then um, ask a lot of questions and in those questions be able to care for them in a way that makes sense to them Um, because how I would care for a woman in South Africa would not necessarily be how I would care for a Polynesian woman in New Zealand. And um, so really understanding what they need. Um, I just had um, a beautiful client from Pakistan and really understanding then what kinds of foods need to be prepared after the birth, um, what kinds of ceremonies need to be done after the birth is really important for me. Those are not necessarily my traditions, um, but holding those to all of those traditions to be really sacred and weaving that into their experience and journey with me um, has always been really important. Mm. Yeah, it must be such a... Ah, such a beautiful exploration for you too of those different traditions and understanding the similarities between them, I imagine, the threads between them as well as the differences. I think that's, as a, as a student, that must be really beautiful. It is. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's beautiful to witness um, the different ways in which we invite humans into, into the world. Mm. I'm curious um, as we kind of bring this beautiful conversation to a close stepping outside your work and I guess more into your beingness uh, in the world which of course your work is an expression of but what's 
what are you really curious about at the moment? Like what are you exploring in your own personhood and your own life and what's captivating you about life at the moment? Um, I think what's captivating me at the moment is how can I bring um, pleasure to experiences that are actually really hard um, and those can be like physical experiences or they can be sort of mental experiences. Um, I'm really delving into how can I feel, um, how can I still feel pleasure within my body when I'm looking at a world that feels difficult, when I'm feeling past emotions that are difficult, where can I still access pleasure? That's been a really important part of my journey for the last, for the last little while. Um, I um, I was saying something to a friend the other day. There was a beautiful quote that I read um, and it's something like where there's a pain point, there's also a pleasure point. And I just really loved that when I saw it. And um, so just, yeah, dancing with, with, with both of those has mm. been a, a journey for me. Mm, such a beautiful question to end with. When you, when you figure it out, let me know. Come back on part two because I have to... <laughs> I think that's just it, isn't it? It's like, um, to me, if we, if I think about regeneration and the way I see it is mm. really a process of each of us individually sensing into the feedback of our bodies, which are saying this is not life-giving, this way we've organised ourselves, this way we're living, it doesn't feel good anymore and what's what are different ways of being that we can foster. And I think that when we all come back to life, you know, go through processes of regeneration and then death and then rebirth, it's, um, I don't know, I feel like what we have access to when we're in, I guess, a more embodied or regenerative state is that we can see the magic even for a moment, you know, even for a breath. And that's also predicated on privilege. So I understand that when we're in survival and our safety is under question, that that's really difficult. However, I think that, you know, so many folks in the regeneration space are so actively talking about the destruction that I almost feel like we're bringing it closer, faster. And there's this whole plethora of beings that are able to hold both the destruction, the death, like yourself, you know, and also can look out the window like I'm doing now and see, you know, the coriander flowers that are going to seed dancing in the wind and to be moved by that and to see the pleasure in that. And I think that I have great hope for, for those of us leaders who can see the magic and keep bringing us back to the sensory experience of it in our bodies because that's what being human is and that's what I believe is going to, help us uh turn this thing around you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's good that's gonna turn the ship around for sure to hold everything yeah, Close yeah. so much for this conversation i've loved it so so much 